the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It's Thursday, March 2nd. The deadline is approaching for the NFL franchise tag, and we have another candidate being offered that tag today. We'll start with this and going to bounce around with the NFL. It's going to be a short and sweet show, kind of an update show, more or less than the you know, a big time feature. I will, uh, at the back end of this, start to highlight some of the extension candidates as we head towards March 15th. I think it's going to be a big part of the off season here. I was able to compile maybe three dozen names, positionally speaking. That's about to be posted live on spotdirect.com. Uh, but it's more about the subtractions than the additions right now, isn't it? There's a lot of talk about players that are about to be released, will be released at the start of the league year. I'll explain why that is the case in a couple of minutes here. And uh, look, we're gearing the site up. We have MLB offseason dwindling down. So we're working feverishly on opening day payrolls and getting those final salaries and the, and the simple pre-air players filled in so that we can complete that puzzle. Dan Selman's doing a ton of work on future opt-outs and arbitration numbers and a, a whole lot of uh, new gadgets and gadgets coming to the Major League Baseball system on Trek. Super excited about that. The NBA is kind of in the middle right now, right? It's almost time to start thinking about July, and that's going to be on Keith Smith's docket with his next edition of the next contract series, Players. Uh, we'll have him do some team versions of that. I think Golden State is certainly a candidate for how that's all going to unfold with Draymond and Clay Thompson up and a team that's sort of in flux right now, especially with Steph Curry missing significant time yet again this year. So look for some player and team stuff coming from Keith. Um, he's already done basically an NBA salary cap projection for July 1st and this coming off season. So he's, uh, he's well on his way in that direction, but look for more out of that. And uh, it is the NHL trade deadline week, and I've done a lot of work on that already. Uh, many of these teams have made significant ads. Some are doing straight cap dumps. We'll kind of, uh, I think we'll collect all those thoughts this weekend after it's all said and done. There are some big names moving around here, a bunch of first round picks. So we'll kind of let the dust settle on this for the next couple of days and then uh, round that into form just a little bit with the segment this coming weekend. But like I said, it's a, fo- it's a football show. The extension stuff is where my head's been the past 48 hours. And obviously that starts with the quarterbacks. But let's shove that for just a few minutes. I want to go quickly, kind of rapid fire through some of these names that are hitting the news here. I mentioned there's a franchise tag candidate. It's Evan Engram, uh, tied in for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This made perfect sense to me immediately. This is what something we were projecting. I said it quite a bit on Jacksonville Radio. This makes perfect sense, at least as a placeholder. And even if not, even if both these sides decide, you know, decide that 11.3 million is okay from a cap cash perspective, and Evan Engram's ready to kind of showcase himself one more time, but on $3 million more, which is basically what he's going to get at the end of 2023 here. I, I like the fix. I like the, I like them keeping him around. I think it's a good fit with Trevor Lawrence. So that's a no brainer. Uh, I don't believe he signs it yet. I think he wants to give himself a chance to put a Hunter Henry type contract in front of him, but at least for now he goes nowhere, stays off the market. And uh, there's certainly a couple of teams, Indy and Green Bay, I think specifically, who are uh, disappointed that he won't be there March 15th, at least to discuss. Cameron Brait. Let's talk Tampa Bay, a couple players of Tampa Bay here. So obviously we've talked Brady already. Um, March 15th, that void, that voided dead cap will hit 35.14 million. So their cap space is ugly. As you know, it is bottom of the barrel right now, negative 56-ish. 
Cameron Brait, the tight end, is going to be released. This is, I think, three years coming. It's a nice player, good, good, solid, complimentary tight end. Uh, that'll free up about five million of space. They need it all. And the big one's Leonard Fournette. And this kind of rounds back into our conversation we had with Bobby Wagner last week, where this is not just a clear cut. Well, that's a it's a running back. He had a high cap hit, so he should go. There's guaranteed salary. All right, there's two million of fully guaranteed salary for 2023 on this contract that is going to get paid out. My assumption, I don't have it in front of me. My assumption is there's offsets on that. So Tampa Bay is basically just saying, look, we need the cap savings. We're going to take the cap savings, which from a pre-June 1st release means about 3.44 million. I don't think they're going to post 6-1 him, though. There have been some reports that it goes in that direction. It adds another 1.5 million if they want to keep this thing on the books until June 1st. I, I just don't see right now in their current state how they're, they're they're going to be able to do that outside of he plays ball, restructure this thing, you know, this that base salary down to a minimum, and then you're you're dealing with a much tenable situation. But you're talking about two million fully guaranteed that for at least now is a placeholder cash payment from Tampa Bay to Leonard Fournette the second he is released. Now, do I think he's gonna latch on with the team and make two million to offset that payment? I do. I do. I think there's a Miami out there. There's maybe a Buffalo out there that needs this kind of in between the tackles, bruise type running back. Um, at least the guy we saw two years ago, because he was certainly a shell of himself last year. And this, that was the concern, the inconsistency. So I, I understand the football side of this. The business side of this is interesting. We're seeing more and more of these cash payments on the way out the door, as I referenced last episode. And, and the next guy in mind has the biggest payment out the door. And that's Kenny Galladay. That's a guy we've talked about quite a bit on the roster bubbles and on the, on the divisional breakdowns that we've done on spottrack.com over the past couple of weeks here. Um, obviously from a football standpoint, this is a move that had to happen. Galladay was barely hitting the field for the giants. He was the ninth wide receiver on the depth chart, you know, give or take here. Um, and quite frankly, I don't do this often. I don't say these kind of things often because it's obviously the the world that we live in, and it's really hard to contextualize these kind of things. But this might go down as a top three worst free agent contract in the history of football. Four years, seventy two million coming over from Detroit. He had red flags in Detroit, by the way. It's not like they signed him thinking, okay, you know, we're going to get a uh, an A plus player in human here. They kind of knew what they were getting into, which was a project. And they decided that that project was worth $40 million practically guaranteed, which once he makes the $4.5 million roster bonus on the way out the door here is exactly what he will be, be have been paid from the New York Giants. $40.4 million for 43 catches. Uh, not exactly what you're looking to get out of, <laughs> out of a price per uh, reception or price per game even from your fifth wide receiver. So... However you want to contextualize it, this is right up there in the business hall of fame of bad free agent contracts. Let's keep, let's leave it at that. Um, they're going to save some cap here, even with the big payment. They're going to save $6.7 million despite, you know, $9 million of, of pro, bonus probation cap and $4.5 million roster bonus that will get paid. Um, it, there's a very good chance there's an offset on that thing. There's a very good chance that Kenny Galladay doesn't find a gigantic contract this offseason because of that four and a half million dollar payment. Okay. Every team, every team out there knows it's there. Everybody understands his current situation for 2023. 
there's a there's a realistic chance that he's looking at a bare minimum contract just to latch on with somebody else this offseason. So, uh, you know, nobody's crying for him. It, it didn't work out. He gets a little money out the door, $40 million over two years for not a lot of work is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that would sign up for that. Let's put it that way. The Saints are back in the news, not just for salary cap restructuring reasons, though they're going to continue to be in those conversations as well as they push back to that cap, cap compliance scenario. They're about $30 million over right now at the time of this conversation. And, you know, I may have missed the restructure as I've been speaking here. So I want to focus on two areas. One is Alvin Kamara. Um, this, uh, this off-the-field incident has come back and forth and back and forth and been delayed for a while, really the whole season. And it sounds like that he is now many actually pled not guilty. That it's going to start to you know process through the due due process uh, solution. We're going to get some kind of resolution. Here's my point. And the only reason I bring it up is he's got a guaranteed roster bonus of one million due Mar in March, around March nineteenth, I believe, and he's got a four million dollar fully guaranteed twenty twenty three salary, which is half of his total salary. So he's got a half guaranteed salary. And a, and a guaranteed roster bonus for 2023. If some sort of suspension suspension comes out of this, any any suspension for this off the field incident, all those guarantees will void. Now he's not going to get suspended in the next 17 days, so that roster bonus is probably getting paid out here. Maybe, right? This may be a scenario where the Saints look at this and say, "Hey, you want to play ball here." because your contract's starting to get right side up from a dead cap perspective. And by the way, if those guarantees fall off, it is right side up. They can remove on from him right now in a pre-6-1 release and save cap. So it's at least something to think about. He's 27 and a half years old, didn't have an Elvin Kamara type season last year, right? I mean, still 900 yards, still 50 catches, but you could just start to see some things drop off. He's around that four yards per attempt rushing-wise. It's just sort of starting to trend in that direction. So I just want to leave it out there that if and when the legal stuff comes to a head and the NFL has to get involved with a suspension, there is a scenario, at least a world, where his contract may be adjusted and or even moved on from quicker than some people think. I believe, you know, not suspension notwithstanding, I believe he's going to get through 2023 in this contract. And he's set to make $11 million in year four here. I think it's a very different conversation after this year. Uh, he's, a, he's a top ballot, first ballot bubble player for 2024. So it may not have a massive impact on 2023, but I wanted to make note that there are guarantees that could be affected over the next couple of weeks or months, depending on that off the field incident. And then Michael Thomas. It's kind of a two-for-one conversation with Michael Thomas. They restructured this contract right at the end of the season, around January 6th or 7th, dropping his salary down to a minimum, putting a huge roster bonus into 2024, making it a valid year. Uh, they added a little signing bonus. I think he got uh, some sort, like almost a million-dollar signing bonus that kicked in right at the end of last year, probably transferred into this year. So, so it's some cap gymnastics with some cash built into it, some good faith stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's a lot of dead cap here. We're talking four restructures on this bad boy over the past three seasons. It's just a lot of minutia as the saints tend to do. I still believe that this is going to be a post six, one release. 
I, I don't believe he has any trade value. He just hasn't been healthy enough to showcase that he can get back to full strength or even some semblance of it. Uh, three games last year, you know, 16 grabs. He's got 56 catches over the past three seasons, missed 2021 completely. Just not the kind of resume you need to go out and, and give up a, tra- a draft pick for. Let's put it that way. So I do think this is going to be a post 6-1 release. And the only reason I'm saying this is all these books out there and all these bigwigs sitting in India right now talking are, are basically coming to the, to the conclusion that Derek Carr is probably going to sign a contract with the New Orleans Saints. Now, it, it's a decent destination for some reasons, but I look at the Saints roster, and I said this last offseason, and I wasn't wrong, right? Chauncey Gardner-Johnson got traded. Bunch of the, a bunch of their defensive players got moved on from. Obviously, the quarterback some, was in complete flux the entire season because Andy Dalton played three quarters of that season last year, and there's no chance that that's what they expected to happen. No chance. Well, they are no different right now. So dropping a Derek Carr contract, which won't be cheap, onto this current roster, which I still believe is sliding backwards. I think Marcus Davenport leaves in free agency. I think there's a real world where Cam Jordan is traded slash released out of this massive contract for cap purposes and because he's aging, even though he's still doing a hell of a lot of good on the football field. I just think there's a point in time where not every franchise can continue to rebuild on the fly. And I feel like that's where we are with the Saints. This is uh, closing in on a rip the Band-Aid off. Now, I know Alave is brand new, and I know they've got some nice pieces, and they paid a hell of a lot of money for this offensive line over the past, you know, basically decade. I understand that there's a lot there's a lot pot invested here, but I don't look at this roster and say they should be adding a veteran quarterback at a big price point to trying to Band-Aid this thing right now. I, I'm not sure that's where I see it. So um, just wanted to say that, throw that out there. That This is a team that I was confused with last year, and, you know, amidst all the restructures and the chaos with the cap gymnastics, there were still not a lot of things adding up. I, I feel even more confused about them this year. And I wasn't necessarily wrong last year. You can tell me that they were a good team and vying for a playoff spot. And I will look at every other team in that division and tell you, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that were, Those were four bad teams vying for one playoff spot that happened to exist. That's it. That's all that was. So if you are Tampa Bay and you feel great about yourself, you're probably wrong. Even though I think at least from a structural standpoint, Tampa Bay adding a veteran quarterback makes a little bit more sense to me than New Orleans adding a veteran quarterback. Uh, It just feels like more back than forward for this roster, but I'm not the one running the show. So if they want to keep piling things on top of this to try to disguise the mold underneath, that's fine. That's I'm perfectly fine with them doing that. I think, I would prefer to see teams attempt versus not attempt, which is the big baseball discussion we're having. But I'm as confused, if not more confused this year than I was last offseason. And I think confusing is the right word for the Saints last in 2022. The Washington Commanders finally made the move we were all expecting them to make, which is releasing Carson Wentz. Uh, there was absolutely no dead cap. There was no guarantee. There was some guarantee of set to kick in in early March in terms of 2023 salary and bonus. This was a no-brainer. Uh, they, they tossed in cornerback Bobby McCain on that transaction and freed up $28.4 million of cap space and put themselves in a situation where I, I, I'm starting to believe <laughs> that Sam Howell might be the quarterback of this team for 2023. 
I realize I just got off my soapbox about the Saints and the inconsistency and the confusion I have with that roster right now. I, I don't have much confusion with this Washington team. I actually think it's pretty well built. I like some of the offensive line decisions they made. Obviously, they've drafted phenomenally across that defensive line. And they've got another mouth to feed here in Deron Payne, who they franchise tagged at $18.9 million, utilizing some of that cap space they, they got from Carson Wentz. Um, there's a lot to like here. Now, the secondary needs some work. I mentioned last show, it's a pretty damn good free agency for that. It's also a pretty good draft for that. And, you know, the, the commanders aren't certainly in the, in the uh, top, top, top of this draft. But they're in a in striking zone. You know, they're, they're in number 16 in the first round. There's going to be a chance for them to flip some picks. There's a defensive lineman or two that they can move right now. There's actually a surplus on that defensive line. If they want to go and find a trade partner and maybe bring themselves into a second, third round pick for this upcoming draft uh, to add to number 16, number 48, some compensatory picks. I, I like the idea of them specifically more than New Orleans. Rebuilding this thing right now on the fly. Now, I understand the quarterback position is difficult, but if I'm comparing the two side by side, this is a much better landing spot for Derek Carr. Much. Now, I'm not sure they want to go that route. I feel like they felt they've been burned by Alex Smith, unfortunately, and then obviously with Carson Wentz, their own doing. And they're probably thinking to themselves, let's give the rookie a chance. Maybe we got lightning in a bottle. And if not, 2024 quarterback draft is outstanding. And it won't be that terrible to have a bunch of draft picks and a bad record heading into that draft. I just look at this roster and think they're going to win ballgames. That's all. Not 10, not 12, but they're going to be competitive to the point of where it's going to be annoying come draft time, you know? So I, I still keep them in, in Derek Carr land. I don't know that this is a Garoppolo spot because of his issues and inconsistencies from an injury standpoint, but there's a lot to like here. A couple of running backs that can make things work. A couple of wide receivers that can make, make things work. An all-pro wide receiver in McLaurin. Uh, I'm not sure that many teams with quarterback needs have this kind of defense these couple of weapons and an offensive line that can kind of hold things together right now. I guess the Jets are a close right there, but maybe slightly above them. And one of the reasons so many people are talking about them for these veteran quarterbacks are Rodgers, a card, a Garoppolo. Makes perfect sense. The commander should be in this conversation. I understand the Daniel Snyder stuff and the, and the top-down trickle-down effect has been ugly. And maybe that's something that pending free agents and and, you know, Players like Kyra Rogers don't want to get involved with at all. And I completely understand that. But from a roster construction standpoint, there are worse options. Let's put it that way. So, yes, they've moved on from Wentz, and that leaves a bad taste in our mouth because of what they gave up and what they paid. But if I'm dropping a new guy in right now, there's certainly worse situations. Okay, about five minutes here. I'm going to highlight some of these contract extension candidates and then... Uh, we're going to call it a show. Like I said, short and sweet, NFL only. I'll get back to the drawing board, make sure our dad is up to snuff, ready for March 15th. And uh, next, next time we talk, I bet we'll have a half a dozen or so franchise tags to break down. So I'm going to spend some time on the quarterbacks, even though these are all names you've heard me say before. I want to make sure that they're highlighted, that they're out there, and that we talk about value versus practicality. Two very different things with quarterback contracts. Here's the six I have highlighted. Six extension candidates, give or take, 
in no order. Joe Burrow. I'll just, I'll do this. I'll tell you my thoughts on if it's going to happen or not. Joe Burrow, absolutely. Dak Prescott, most likely. Justin Herbert, most likely. Tua Tagovailoa, probably not. Kirk Cousins, most likely. Jalen Hurts, absolutely. So I've got two 100%ers, and I've got three other, what up? Should I say 80 percenters? I'm pretty confident that five of these guys are getting a new contract in the next couple of months here. Um, let's start with the veterans. So I'm sure you've, you've seen now through the hot stove, especially now at combine time. And I believe Jerry Jones has basically confirmed this out loud himself that, you know, we're not thinking backwards. We're thinking forwards with Dak Prescott. And he's got two years left in this contract this year included. It's two years, 65 million. So it's a good chunk of change. There are two void years already on this deal. They're most likely going to have to restructure this $31 million salary for 2023. And the second you start doing that, you start adding another void year. You start talking about some dead cap reaching 30 million in 2020, in 2025. It's just going to start to pile up. And the best way to stop dead cap from piling up is to keep it spread out. And you keep it spread out with contract extensions. That's what Brady was able to do there for a while and a while and a while. And then when he said, I'm done, all that dead cap piled up at the end. And that's why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the situation they're in. So it's a, it's a delayed disaster is really what it is. And by the way, get used to it because every major quarterback contract, give or take a few teams that are just not willing to go that route are, are going to have these kinds of situations. Whenever Aaron Rodgers hangs them up and it could be, Right now, it could be after this season, which is probably the favorite in the books. It could be after two more seasons. Even if it's after two more seasons, it's going to be an astronomical dead cap hit for him to walk away because of triple bonuses, signing bonus, option bonus, option bonus, massive bonuses. There's just no way around them. They're paid up front, they spread out down the line. And at some point in time, unless he keeps playing for all five years of that probation to keep things spread out, and that's not going to be the case here. There's going to be a, a point in time where it all accelerate, accelerates and it's going to hit. Now, it could be spread out in a post-June 1st fashion. We've talked about that quite a bit. You've seen that quite a bit. But it's still going to be a gigantic number. So when you start hearing names like Prescott and Cousins here, A, they want their respective teams want them to continue to be their quarterback. But B, it's good business to extend now to make sure that that void year dead cap continues to get spread out. Very two, two very different conversations that have the exact same result. What kind of value does Dak Prescott hold right now? It's difficult, right? Because he's not that rookie extension anymore. And in fact, he's not even close to it because of his double, double tag, the holdout, all that mess, right? He's going on 30 years old. He's 29 and a half years old, almost 30. Not old, not saying he's old, okay? Uh, he has had a serious injury of late. So there, there's a little bit of that, right? There's some baggage, which I think most players are going to have now, even at the, the most protected position here. Just numbers to numbers. Dak is a $44 million player. And I think that's probably where we're headed. And if you're sitting here thinking, what the hell are we doing? You know, well, Dak just played, he's playing out 40 per year. Four for 160. Three of those years fully guaranteed. So let's just say 120 for, you know, three years. Cap is 224, and the average quarterback contract now has jumped $6 million. 
in one calendar year. So in that regard, I'm low. The math is low. But if I tell you we're starting at 44 and Burrow gets 52 and Jalen Hurts gets 51 and Justin Herbert gets 49 and yada, yada, yada. Where do the veterans come in? Because a player like Aaron Rodgers, who absolutely always took a top-of-the-market deal, always, just like Peyton Manning did, just like a lot of guys did. If that's the mindset, well, then it doesn't matter how old those players are when they sign. I'm going to that threshold. There may be that. I play for the Dallas Cowboys, the most, you know, the highest-valued franchise in sports. They should be able to play their, their most important position at the top of the market all the time. I, nobody can argue that. What I'm telling you right now is he's starting at 44 million. And if it gets up to 48, if it gets to 50, nobody's going to gawk at this. Okay. He got 40 million per year in March of 2021. The salary cap was 180, 188. It is now 224. And if this is a contract that's not going to kick in until 2024, the salary cap could be 240. All right. It could be 240 in 2024. So start doing the math. All right. If we're keeping our quarterbacks around 20%, that's $48 million. That's probably the market value for a top tier quarterback, $48 million. And when you're young and you can strike big like a Burrow and Hertz can right now, you're going north of that. So Cousins and Prescott are both in this same conversation. They've been linked together because of the way their, their teams kind of treated them contractually. There were franchise tags involved. Cousins actually hit the open market on free agency. Dak barely escaped free agency. They tagged him and uh, kept him basically on their own at the very last second before that extension kicked in. That's where we are. Okay? So if I'm telling you mathematically, they're 44, $45 million players. Don't be surprised when they're approaching 50 on a short extension. You know where I stand with the, with the rookie extensions. Um, I think all three of those players, Herbert Burrow and, and Hertz, have all the right in the world to go out there and say, we're going north of everything. We're going 160 million plus fully guaranteed at signing. I want to approach 200 million in practical guarantees over the next four years, and I want to be 50, 52 million per year. I, I don't even know how the agent says otherwise. So if Lamar can get more than that, fine. You know, he's in a, on an expiring contract right now, and his his franchise tag situation will restrict the Baltimore Ravens and put the pressure on them. So there's a chance that he can proceed all of these other quarterback conversations with a win, with a nearly or actually fully guaranteed four to five year contract with the Baltimore Ravens. And if he's able to secure that from a team that my God, I, I might put 32nd out of 32 it, who would, who would hand out a fully guaranteed contract to any player. They're, they may be the least likely team in all of football to do it. And if Lamar gets them to do it, it will change the way that everybody else negotiates contracts because everybody knows how the Baltimore Ravens are. are. They're strict, they're rigid, and they're uh, cheap is the wrong word, but they are frugal and, and stuck within their ways. To, to a, with success, by the way. Again, I'm not, that is not a... Uh, <laughs> Not necessarily a complaint on my part. Now, do I think everybody needs to kind of evolve with the times? Of course. We talked about Cincinnati in this effect with, 
you know, contracts that look big because of the average salary or look big because of certain areas, but their substance isn't there. Baltimore's kind of in this conversation. Lamar's asking for all substance and most quarterbacks should be. So we're talking here 44 million a year, 50 million a year. Yeah, it, it matters because that's how you get to the higher numbers from a year to year standpoint. But how many of those higher numbers are actually guaranteed, locked in, stable, vest early, guaranteed mechanisms, yada, yada, yada. That's where, that's where it actually matters. So Lamar has a chance to make everybody's life better. All, all five or six of these players on this list right now. And again, I'm going to post this article on spytrack.com later this afternoon. Let's move a little quicker. Uh, the running back market, as you might imagine, not a huge extension market for the running backs, but I was able to find five. You might blow off most of these. I got DeAndre Swift with the Detroit Lions. Now, Jamal Williams is a pending free agent. I believe he gets another contract. If they're going to pay that running back, probably not giving Swift an early contract. You're going to probably let him expire after 2023 and then deal with him if you want to after the fact. But he's on this list because he's a hell of a player. He's catching balls now. He's doing everything. He's doing everything you need out of a running back. So he's at least on this list. I don't think it gets done, though. A.J. Dillon, similar conversation. I don't think he had the year last year he needed to have to take the keys away from Aaron Jones, grab himself a contract extension, and become the number one. Obviously not, because Aaron Jones took a pay cut, uh, processed the restructure, and he's on board for 2023. Jonathan Taylor, he's a hell of a player. He had a banged up 2022. Everything came down. I don't think this is a team. That's, that's in the position to pay a running back. But he's certainly a running back that should get paid. I'll just keep it at that. Austin Eckler. I don't know that he gets, he gets a third contract. He deserves it. He's wildly underrated, and I believe wildly underpaid at $6.5 million a year. It's possible they keep him around. It's possible they look at a player like Keenan Allen, even if it's not after, you know, now it's, it's after this year, and say, we'd rather have an, a versatile Eckler, even though he's 27, 28, versus an aging wide receiver that we can replace in the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a two or three year tack on Austin Eckler's contract right now, immediately. Similar conversation with Derrick Henry. Probably not a team that should be paying running backs right now because I think they're about to completely gut this thing. Obviously, they've already started. He's a unicorn. He's a one of one. Tack on two years, help your salary cap right now, keep this guy around, make him the face of the franchise for a couple more seasons, maybe even one. But there's no harm in doing this. You don't have to guarantee everything. That's for darn sure. The wide receiver list gets interesting. I'm just going to run the table here, and I'm going to let you guys figure it out. I'll make one stop in the middle of this thing. That's it. Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins with Arizona. Meh, with that quarterback contract. Devin DuVernay, Baltimore. Meh, with that quarterback contract. Gabe Davis in Buffalo. Darnell Mooney in Chicago. T. Higgins in Cincinnati. Donovan People Jones in Cleveland. CeeDee Lamb's my stopping point. CeeDee Lamb, and by the way, I've got like six Dallas Cowboys on here. Six. Maybe more. I've got the center, the quarterback, the I've got two of the safeties. I've got a cornerback. Uh, yeah, at least seven players here on this extension list. So Jerry Jones better be ready to open those pocketbooks up. CeeDee Lamb probably added four million per year in 2022. And it's because. They allowed him to do that by trading away Marty Cooper. And in turn, and not having Amari Cooper, probably didn't have the roster and the depth to win in the playoffs. <laughs> so, so take that with a grain of salt. Because if they go and pay CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper money, which cap adjusted is now 
$28 million a year. I mean, we're going above A.J. Brown here, guys. CeeDee Lamb, as a true number one, is above A.J. Brown here at $25 million a year. So cap adjusted, that's where we are. Look out, because if they're going to tag Pollard and keep Zeke and pay Dak and start to repay that offensive line, which they have to do, they were the lowest cash team in 2022, the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be a top 15 team if all these players that I believe are about to hit, hit. So keep an eye out for that. Maybe Jerry knew it was coming and they were budgeting for this accordingly. But they're going to be a big, 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 big team this offseason. I believe in A, keeping their own, and B, is Bobby Wagner coming to town? Is Jalen Ramsey coming to town? Are they going to find another wide receiver to pair with C.D. Lamb this offseason? All, all those years where it's fake, manufactured Dallas Cowboys talk just because they sell, we're not going to need that this year. In my opinion, they're going to be at the star of the show all March. So keep an eye out for them. Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman Jr., Van Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, and Mike Evans, all other, other candidates. It's not a great tight end year from a free agent standpoint, not with Evan Engram off the books, or from an extension standpoint. Cole Komet, I think, gets one in Chicago. I think Hawkinson gets one in Minnesota now. And uh, Adam Troutman, Noah Fant on this list, just barely, though. It's a great draft. It's a great tight end draft. If you haven't started to read your mock drafts and your draft notes from all the superstars out there, it's a great tight end draft. So if your team needs one, you should be thinking, don't overpay. Go to the draft, mid-rounds, maybe even high, high rounds here. Bunch of good offensive linemen. There's like three from the Falcons, which is a really good sign for the next quarterback there, maybe even Desmond Ritter. I mentioned there's a couple of Cowboys here. The Dolphins have a lot of work to do, a lot. I've got two offensive linemen, a defensive tackle, and an edge rusher on this list. So... You know, Byron Jones falls off with his injury situation. They don't pay Tua because of his injury situation. They need a bunch of running backs. They probably need another wide receiver in that market. They're letting Gasecki walk. It's going to be some turnover in Miami. It feels kind of, I don't know, kind of Ramsey, LA Rams 2022. It It feels like that direction, except for I just don't know if I can trust Tua at all. So could all this work they might have to do, and then they may not even have the quarterback standing on two feet at the end of the day. So tough situation to be Miami. That's a really nicely built team. With a, I think they're well coached as well. But miles the feed right now, financially speaking. Defensive tackles, I mentioned a few. I'll give you a couple more. Carolina's got Derek Brown, the number one pick. Uh, probably time for Chris Jones to go back to the top of the market in Kansas City. I imagine both the Giants and the Jets do right by Dexter Lawrence and Quinton Williams in the next couple of weeks. And then I've been on a couple of Tennessee talk shows. They know that the team is going backwards. There's not a single person in Tennessee right now that I've talked to that doesn't want Jeffrey Simmons to get 25 million a year and stick with that team for three more seasons fully guaranteed. So I expect that's probably coming. There's a new GM in town. It's probably not a bad way to make your name and start out, right? Cause you, cause the last guy didn't pay AJ Brown traded him at the draft. Yada, yada. We know the story. I think dropping a nice big contract that Jeffrey Simmons says, we realize we're shaking some things up, but not there. Okay, that's, a, that's one of those unicorn-type, versatile defensive linemen who can go in and out. He's young. He's dangerous. We're going to give him market value, $25 million a year or so, and we're going to make him a center point, so that, center point of that defensive line. A couple of edge rushers. It's not a great year for that. Bose is going to get his pay here at some point in time. I think Rashawn Gary gets paid in Green Bay. It's too bad that he was injured. He was really on a nice track there. Brian Burns, he's not going to like my market value for him because I just don't think he's got the consistent numbers to get there, but he will get a high, high contract at some point in time. And uh, Leonard Williams, I mentioned him in a couple of areas. 
if the Giants are paying Dexter Lawrence and Danny Dimes and maybe Saquon Barkley on a tag, what happens with Leonard Williams, who's got like a $32 million cap hit right now on, on an expiring contract? There's a world, it's not a good one, where they trade him before the draft, get themselves an extra second or third, draft his replacement, and move on from there. We've seen good teams do this before, and I think that's what Joe Shane is probably walking himself into is a situation where he either gets a little bit of a team-friendly discount to extend this guy. I don't think that's going to be the case, by the way. And or he looks around the room and says, I got you this year, you this year, you this year. I'm going to have to pay you next year, you next year. And he just says, I can't do this. And there's trade value to be had here. So I, I just putting that one out there that I think if I'm sitting in that GM chair, I'm at least considering some draft capital for him right now. Safeties are a nice market. Uh, obviously, the free agents we talked about last week with Poyer and Jesse Bates and a couple of other names. Malik Hooker and Jaron Hurst from Dallas both could use an extension. Now, I'm not sure either get it because of all the other things Cowboys-wise we've talked about. But there's a world where this becomes like a Micah Hyde-Jordan Poyer situation in Buffalo and you start to stagger these contracts back and forth and let them age out because I think it works. Now, I don't know that I'd pay Trev, you know, Trevon Diggs a top, top cornerback market. I think he had a really rough 2022 in a lot of areas. And they need to see what the real player is after this season. That would be my discussion. But I understand there's a spotlight on that player. Jerry loves players with spotlights. So if I'm going to pay one right now, I'm paying one of the safeties. I'm paying Diggs. I'm paying Lamb. And I'm paying Prescott. What happens with Pollard? You're going to let him showcase and, and rehab that one year on a franchise tag, albeit a $10 million one. You understand where I'm going with this, guys? Dallas is going to be exciting as hell, okay? Because <laughs> I haven't even gotten to, does the left tackle get released in Tyron Smith? Does Zeke Elliott actually take a pay cut or a restructure and stick around? Or is he going to hit the open market? Because even, even if you don't love the player, that's a polarizing human being right there. So you put him back on the open market, it's like going to L. Beckham Jr., who, by the way, might sign a contract with the Dallas Cowboys this offseason because I think that'd be a halfway decent compliment to CeeDee Lamb out there, Michael Gallup. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, pending free agent, one of the, maybe the best tight end available right now. Don't think he's back in the fold. A lot of moving parts. Dallas is exciting. Not my favorite team in the world, but I understand how much they draw. So for all the media markets out there that love talking Cowboys, you're going to have plenty of content in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and that's sort of my takeaway. There's some nice names here. Obviously, it starts with the quarterback conversation, and uh, we won't be disappointed in that regard. But, you know, you start talking Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, T. Higgins. We've already had some polarizing conversations about how long can Cincinnati hang on to that before they feel like they have to move away, or he feels like that he needs to get a contract with a team that, ex that makes him an exclusive number one. We've seen it before. I think Michael Pittman Jr. could be in that conversation on a smaller version, right? Vinny doesn't have a quarterback right now. He's got to go find himself a quarterback in an, on an expiring contract that he can show his stuff on. So, and Brandon Ayuk to some degree, similar conversation. Finally starting to break out, but is the quarterback play about to drop back? He's on an expiring contract. Okay. Plenty of NFL talk, like I mentioned. I'll be tracking the NHL trade deadline. I will be working feverishly to get the MLB opening day payrolls all snug and set. And boy, is there a variance, as you very well know, right? The Oakland A's and the New York Mets and the Padres, very different animals this offseason. So we'll, uh, we'll be rounding back into baseball form very, very soon. But I wanted to throw just an all-NFL 
kind of like a highlight show here, like I mentioned. As a as they come in, I will continue to do these little beats. This may not be our full episodes. I'll maybe do some smaller things on, on YouTube and, and all that to address new contract extensions, some big releases that leave a ton of dead cap. Obviously, if and when we know the Rodgers news, honestly, in any whatever the news is, whether he stays, whether he goes, whether he retires, there'll be a major contract update from a dead cap standpoint, from a roster standpoint. So we'll do some sort of presentation on YouTube with that. And uh, we'll continue to bring in some great guests. So thanks for sticking with us. Hit subscribe on your on the app that you're using. And uh, we'll be back soon with another edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. Yeah.